Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, unwanted pets and relatives, greetings and hello. It is I, your favorite obscure social studies teacher, whose love for America and desire for the truth makes him a right-wing extremist, Mr. Palumbo, and this is the Professor Liberty Podcast. Welcome back, folks. I hope you're having a great day wherever you're listening to this. I hope you're currently not under IRS audit or you're getting a root canal. But whatever you're doing, whatever the situation, thank you for tuning in. If you'd like to email the show, the email is ProfessorLiberty1776 at gmail.com. That's ProfessorLiberty1776 at gmail.com. Please send me all your questions, comments, concerns, inquiries, insults. Send them to ProfessorLiberty1776 at gmail.com. Also, please don't hesitate to go to Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star rating or a written review. I have some free, exclusive Professor Liberty stickers that I will send to you if you reach out to me at the email and let me know you wrote a review. I will send you free of charge a Professor Liberty sticker. Also, check out Professor Liberty on Facebook, Pinterest, and Parlor. All right, on to the show so, you know, uh, you know, speaking about the show, actually, I wanted to share this. So, uh, rewind. That was my rewind noise. Uh, something interesting has happened, and I don't know what it means, but, you know, over... So, the podcast is about two years old, uh, almost two years old, about a year and a half. And during last year, 80% of the listeners used Apple Podcast as the platform to listen to the show. But recently, Spotify has taken over the number one spot. Now about 80% of people listening to this podcast listen through Spotify. Now, I'm not really sure if that means anything. I'm, off, you know, I'm often called a boomer by my friends, even though I'm clearly not a boomer. I'm either a very young Gen X or a very old millennial. But they often call me a boomer because... Uh, I never know what's going on regarding technology and on these things. I'm always kind of behind the eight ball. Uh, so I don't know if that's a good sign that Spotify has uh, taken over. But no matter how you listen, I appreciate the support. So our last episode, we started talking about Ben Franklin and his quest for moral perfection. Quite an ambitious quest. After stumbling into church one Sunday, Ben wasn't known for his church attendance he was inspired to live by a code of virtues that he would choose. Remember, we defined virtues last episode as characteristics which are good and praiseworthy. A person with virtue is someone to be esteemed. We get Franklin's list of virtues in his autobiography, and he provides some short commentary or definitions of each of these virtues. And last episode, we covered the first four. These were temperance, silence, order, and resolution. You'll have to go back to the past episode and listen to get uh, what I said about those virtues. Today, we're going to finish the rest of the list. So without further ado, number five on Ben Franklin's 13 virtues. Ben put frugality. Now, we don't really use that word. I actually have to kind of say it slowly so I don't mess it up. But this is where we get frugal, right? People have heard that word, being frugal. But frugality, what does that mean? Well, being frugal means being sparing, 
or showing restraint regarding spending one's money. You can also think of the word thrifty. Why do people go to thrift stores? Because they want to buy things at a lower cost and save money. They're being thrifty. Uh, in California, growing up, we used to have thrifties grocery stores. It was called, that's what it was called. I'm not sure if they're still around, but why would you name your store thrifties? Well, what are you conveying? What's the message you're conveying? You're focusing on a lower cost. Franklin describes it this way. Make no expense but to do good to others or yourself. Waste nothing. Now, frugal tends to have negative connotations to it. Someone who's frugal is a tightwad. Someone who doesn't want to spend money, they don't like spending money. Uh, I don't think that has to be the case. Uh, there are virtues of, you know, to being frugal. The first that comes to my mind is people who are frugal tend not to be in danger of poverty or living paycheck to paycheck. A frugal person thinks carefully about what they want to spend their money on. Someone who isn't frugal or thrifty spends their money with abandon. As fast as they make it, they spend it. Sometimes people will spend their money on non-essentials before even paying for things like rent or food. It is said that the average American has 1% of their income saved. So they save a whopping 1%. Here in Las Vegas, where I live, casinos actually have paycheck cashing areas where a person could get off of work, bring their paycheck, have it cashed, so they can start gambling. Never mind rent or car payment or food or electricity. Baby, let's get those dices rolling. So you can see how the opposite of being frugal is being uh, reckless with your money and reckless with your budget and, and not paying for the needs before you get to the wants. The obvious danger of overspending is you only have so much of it. This is why we go into debt. And for what? What do you get out of your debt? Now, I'm not saying all debt is bad. I mean, if you have a house, you're obviously in debt. If you have a car, you're obviously in debt. But those things are needs. You need a roof over your head. You need a, you need a transportation. So that's not bad debt. But then there's the credit card debt where you paid for the big TV. Did you really need it? No. You paid for this. You paid for that. You paid for the shiny new thing that you saw when you were at the mall, you know, and you're never going to use. You know, we have so much crap. Americans have so much stuff. We have so much stuff uh, that we don't really need because we spend and spend, and some of us spend for entertainment purposes. Now, remember, in economics, wants are unlimited, right? So this is a, this is a human nature to want more, right? And so we go out and we spend. I was thinking about, you know me, I'm Mr. Movie. Growing up in the 80s, we watched a lot of movies, and you remember Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. When I was writing this podcast, I thought about Veruca Salt. Remember Veruca Salt? Don't care how I want it now. Remember, she wanted everything. She was the spoiled brat. Her dad gave her everything. She wanted gooses and geeses, right? Obviously, she never did well in school because gooses is not a word. But anyway, she wanted the whole world. She was never satisfied, and we're the same way, and we blow our money on the, on the things we don't need. Another movie that comes to mind is The Grinch. This is probably the, uh, 
youngest movie I have ever quoted, because I think The Grinch came out in 2000, which was still 20-some years ago, but probably the youngest or the most recent movie, I'll say, that I'm quoting. But there's the part where The Grinch, you know, Christmas is just about getting things. Dude, Christmas drives me insane. I should probably do a podcast this winter on Christmas. But Christmas is all about, well, did you get Johnny something? Did you get Sally something? Well, I got Sally three things. Well, did you get the big present or did you get the small present? It's all about stuff. And in The Grinch, he talks about everything that the Who's are buying ends up in the dump. It's just stuff. So we go into debt. We're not frugal. We're not smart with our money. And then we're ending up poor. We're trying to live off of $1,500 Social Security, and we have a house full of stuff. So we're definitely not frugal, and that is something we should try to work on, right? Being more wise with how we spend our money. Okay, number six, Ben Franklin writes, industry. He says, quote, lose no time, always be employed in something useful, cut off all unnecessary actions, unquote. Man, this one speaks to me, ladies and gentlemen, being productive. I hate lying around. But to be honest, I'm really good at it, especially during summer. But what Franklin is saying here is he's saying be productive, lead productive lives. You know, as you get older, you realize how fast time goes. We only have so much time on earth, and yet we do so many things to waste our time. Video games, social media, TV. Did you know the average gamer aged 18 to 25 spends about 20 hours a week playing video games? That's almost a full day a week. That's one-seventh of your week, right? Almost a tenth of your week. So check this out. The average human lives about 4,000 weeks. Now, you know, some live more, some live less. Now, I'm not a math wizard, but that means a gamer could waste 572 weeks of his life playing video games. That high score, that next level, that upgrade is meaningless when you're dead and gone. What else could you have done with that time? Now, obviously, I'm not saying video games are bad. I play video games from time to time, and I can easily burn a few hours racking up my points and advancing through the levels. But everything is with moderation, right? Video games can be a part of our lives. They should not be our entire life, especially if we only get 4,000 weeks. You guys, those 4,000 weeks come quick. We should strive to be industrious, be productive, learn a skill improve our minds, bodies, and souls. And I think that's where Franklin is going with industry. Number seven, he writes sincerity. Sincerity means being honest. Franklin writes in his autobiography, quote, use no heart hurtful deceit, speak innocently and justly, and if you speak, speak accordingly. Notice Ben uses the words hurtful deceit, which means don't slander, don't lie about somebody to hurt them, but speak accordingly, which means speak what is necessary during the time. What does, what does the situation call for? That's what it means to be according, right? Be accordingly. This is a tough one, folks. We like to fire back at people. We like to tell the truth if it makes our enemy look bad, right? Oh, I'm just being honest. Well, I'm just being honest. Well, you know, sometimes being honest, uh, you don't have to be that honest. So, so maybe you don't like somebody. You don't have to say it, right? That's not being accordingly. But if you're in a court of law and they're calling you to tell the truth, you have to tell the truth. That's what speaking accordingly means, right? 
We don't like sincerity for ourselves. We don't like honesty for ourselves. We like honesty for other people, right? There's a, um, there's a quote and it's, it's, they're not really sure who it's attributed to. Some people say George Bernard Shaw. Other people say Oscar Wilde. I think Oscar Wilde probably said it. They're both writers, by the way. That's right. They're they're both uh, screenplay writers. doesn't matter who said it, but the quote is, if you want to tell people the truth, make them laugh. Otherwise, they'll kill you. So we don't like honesty unless we're talking about other people, right? But we should strive for honesty. We should strive for sincerity. In my opinion, this is why there's such a low trust in government institutions and people in power and the media uh, because they get constantly caught in lies. And instead of apologizing, instead of being sincere, they ignore it or blame it on somebody else or blah, 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 blah. You know, people can see through this crap. People understand when someone isn't sincere. It's just something instinctual in us. We understand when sincerity is not occurring. Number eight is justice. Ah, justice. Justice is a right and wrong thing, right? Justice is about bringing balance after an offense or an injury. Justice is an impartial administration of law. Rewards and punishments. Franklin writes, wrong no one by doing injuries or omitting benefits that are your duty. So what's he saying here? He's saying that injustice can be from what you do and what you don't do. You know, everyone wants justice. I did a a podcast a while back on justice. You know, things like social justice, economic justice, environmental justice. Justice is something... You don't have to be taught. When, when a kid takes your ball in the playground, you cry out, mine, and you demand justice. You know, Democrat, Republican, woman, man, child, it doesn't matter. Justice is hardwired in our DNA. The problem with justice is that the word I just used earlier, impartial. We're not good at that. Impartial means you're neutral. You play no favorites. You don't take pity on the poor, and you don't resent the rich. Well, that's going to be a problem when finding justice, isn't it? Especially today. Today, we have a whole victimization scorecard. And if you're a straight, white, Christian male, you are on the bottom, and you have to pay for the sins of your fathers. But if you're a minority woman, LGBTQ plus XYZ, you get to be on the top. So how can you find justice in that when we're, when we are taking, when we are actually favoring people because of what they are and who they are? That's not justice. We all have bias. We all have prejudice. We all prefer one thing over another. And because of that, we corrupt and we pervert justice. You know, another underpinning of justice is, wait for it, virtue. Justice requires virtue. Heck, justice itself is a virtue. In order to find justice or maintain justice, we have to have people in power who are virtuous, people that believe in right and wrong, people that believe in good and evil, people that believe in equality under the law. Well, most of people today might be, quote, good. What governs their beliefs? Science? Nihilism? Nothing? How can you be good at being a judge or a public official if all you care about is greed, personal enrichment? What if your philosophy is nothing? Notice Franklin brings up another idea, this idea of omitting things. 
To omit something means to leave it out or to not do something, to ignore something. So justice is also perverted in that case as well. Uh, You know, this is something that Martin Luther King Jr. would constantly talk about regarding uh, white Christianity in America, white churches in America. They might have agreed with his civil rights stance. They might have agreed with, uh, well, some of them agreed. Some of them called themselves Christian and didn't agree. But they would, they would, they were behind what he was doing. But they didn't lift a finger to do anything about it, right? And so justice can be uh, perverted, or justice can be uh, denied when we don't do things. Look what's happening in our major cities. We have these lenient DAs who are coddling criminals. They're releasing them only to go out and do the same crime again. There's no fines. There's no prison. There's no. There's you know. They're uh, omitting their duties as public officials, so they're also omitting justice. Uh, Mr. Palumbo, you see, uh, some of these people, Mr. Palumbo, are minorities, and they've been oppressed by systemic racism. Mr. Palumbo, write this down. Write this down, Mr. Palumbo. Systemic racism. And so uh, it's not their fault that they commit these crimes. A crime is a crime. A criminal act is a criminal act. All people of all stations are capable of committing these acts. Black, white, poor, rich, doesn't matter. And justice will never be achieved if you're being partial. If partiality is in the equation, justice is perverted. Okay, virtue number nine is moderation, which I feel like we already covered with temperance in the last episode. So I'm going to skip that virtue. Just remember, moderation, it is wise for a person to avoid extremes in belief and behavior, right? Find the middle. Virtue number 10 is cleanliness. Now, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Obviously, cleanliness means being clean. I think this is related to Franklin's order virtue, uh, where everything has its place. So I think these are related. Franklin writes, tolerate no uncleanliness in body, clothes, or habitation. So why is cleanliness important? Well, there's clear health concerns, first of all, right? But I think I want to talk about it comes down to respect, self-respect most specifically. I often marvel at how society has devolved, you know, regarding public appearance over the decades. Hats, suits, ties, slacks. Dress shoes, gloves, veils for women have given way to leggings, T-shirts, and Crocs with socks. People walk around in their pajamas all day or in some kind of a workout suit, yet they've never going to the gym. Rarely do people dress up for social events or church or some other event. I remember a few years ago, I was the homeroom teacher uh, for, I think it was eighth grade. It could have been seventh grade, but it was middle school. So it was seventh or eighth. And so homeschool, you know, homeroom, they would come in and, you know, I would take role and we'd have a few minutes to chat. I started to notice that all my boy students, all of their hairdos were atrocious. No comb had ever seen their head. If World War I had a no man's land, their heads had a no comb land. They looked like they rolled out of bed and came to school. I hope they brushed their teeth. Probably not. I would ask them, do you guys ever comb your hair? And they would say they don't care about what they look like. I said, well, don't you want a girlfriend? Don't you want to impress girls? You know, 
that's why I try my, you know, when I was a kid, when I was their age, I did my best to, uh, you know, to look the part, to impress the ladies. You know, I had to put my best foot forward. I had these giant thick glasses. I was short. I wasn't athletic. So, man, I had to make sure at the very least I looked decent. But these boys answered me that they don't care about their appearance or girls or they don't care about, you know, finding a girlfriend or dating. They don't care. They have no ambition and they clearly have no self-respect and just they don't care about how they present themselves to the world and their outfits, their attire clearly show it. All right. The next virtue is tranquility. That's a good word. I like that word. Tranquility means peace. This, I think, is related to Franklin's virtue on silence. So I don't want to add too much to it other than to reiterate that peace and quiet are important for our mental and emotional health. If you're struggling with anxiety, I'd recommend finding peace and quiet. Put the smartphone down. Put away the device. Turn off Instagram. Definitely turn off the news, which is lying to you and is meant to just stir up your emotions all the time. That's why you're feeling anxious. I guarantee you'll start feeling better. Heck, if God rested, perhaps it's a good idea that we rest as well. Okay, rounding out the virtues. There is two more, chastity and humility. Chastity is a word we certainly have no real connection with today. Chastity means abstaining from sex. Now, it's interesting that Franklin included this because he was rumored to be quite the ladies' man. But maybe that's why he put it there. You know, focusing on our weaknesses or our temptations helps us become more self-controlled. So maybe this is something he wanted to work on to get a little more self-control. He writes in his autobiography, quote, Rarely use sex for health or offspring. Never to dullness, weakness, or injury to your own or others' peace or reputation, unquote. This again sounds a lot like his comments on temperance and moderation, doesn't it? Now, this is a family show, and I'm not a health class teacher. But we all know the inherent dangers of obsessing over sex. It will distract you from more important things. It can destroy marriages and other relationships. It causes dullness and clouds the mind. You have entire swaths of young men today addicted to pornography. They're not working in jobs they could be. They're not marrying or starting families that they could have. Populations across Europe and the West are crashing. You know, Japan is having a real challenge with this. As their population ages, their young men are locked away staring at their computers and messing around with robots and, and anime and whatever. It would definitely seem this obsession over sex is getting worse. I mean, we have a whole month now, a whole pride month. And what is this? What are we supposed to have pride in? Pride for what? Pride for your sexual preferences. It's unbelievable. And I wish young people would realize you're more than just your sexual preferences. And here's another thing, folks. It's nobody's business. Can we go back to being nobody's business? Nobody cares. Nobody cares what you do in the bedroom. Can we please stop having it all over the internet, the radio, the billboards? Nobody cares. Why is this a thing? It's because we're obsessed with sex. And finally, Mr. Franklin ends his list with humility. 
Now, people that don't understand humility think being humble is being weak or having low self-esteem or constantly kicking yourself in the butt or woe is me. Being humble just means having a sober judgment of yourself, not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. When you're successful, you don't gloat about it. When you lose, you don't get depressed. Being grateful for what you have and what you earn and what you get. That's what humble means. In his autobiography, Franklin writes, quote, In my list of virtues, continued at first but twelve. But a Quaker friend, having kindly informed me that I was generally thought of being proud, and that my pride showed itself frequently in conversation, that I was not content with being right when discussing the point, but also being overbearing and rather insolent, unquote. How many people do you know insist on being right all the time? Even when you know, in fact, they're wrong, at least on a specific issue that you're talking about. Look, you know, I say this in jest, but, you know, when I say I'm the obscure social studies teacher, you know, but it's true. I know some things about some things, but I'm certainly no expert. However, there are times I know I'm correct on an issue and I have to listen to a parent, another teacher, probably liberal, a student, someone on Facebook, berate me on how I'm not correct. Do I care? I don't know. You learn to just smile. You, ha- you try to have a conversation, and if the person is actually willing to learn something, you continue. But I rarely push the issue. It's not worth the time or the energy. Also, I often think to myself that I might be right on this issue, but I'm probably wrong on a thousand other issues. Or what about the times I've changed my mind or changed an opinion through continued learning? So why push it? If you're willing to have a constructive conversation, I'm willing to talk and listen. I'm also willing to listen to people who I disagree with. You don't know how many times someone has tried to argue with me using CNN talking points. But, you know, be humble. Who cares? In the end, who cares? It's interesting how Franklin turns to Jesus and Socrates. He says, humility imitate Jesus and Socrates. And he uses these for his best examples of humility. Two historical icons for sure. Why do you think he chooses these two? Who would you choose as examples when you think of humility? Here at Professor Liberty, we seek to educate, inspire, and restore. If you like this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star rating or a written review for a free sticker. Follow me on Facebook. Also go to TeachersPayTeachers.com for Professor Liberty worksheets, activities, and assignments that you can use for homeschooling or in your own classroom. Until next time, go throughout the land and proclaim liberty. Liberty.